0: Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, following our discussion yesterday on Shane Pinto's next deal, today we're looking at restricted free agent Eric Brandstrom and what his next contract should look like.
1: And we finish up the first round of our 2023 NHL draft prospect profiles with three players, Riley Height, Bradley Nadeau, and Tanner Mullendyke. Three good
0: Canadian boys, we'll get to that, and the Ottawa Senators have signed one of their drafted prospects and... He's a friend of the show. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day.
1: Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Lockdown On Senators podcast.
0: Welcome inside episode 822 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. Please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also available on YouTube. We also have to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Today is Friday, June 16th, and Pilsey, the NHL buyout
1: window is officially open. And Ross, for the first time in what seems like a long time, this is kind of a nothing date for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you and I were going over their cap friendly, being like, huh, there's got to be some sort of buyout candidate for the Ottawa Senators. It, it wouldn't be an off season without a buyout. But no, this team, all these uh, all these contracts are pretty good after Pierre Dorian mopped up a couple of his mistakes last season.
0: And well, there was a lot of water to be mopped up because yeah. you had to buy out Colin White. Uh, they've also bought out you know, um, Michael Del Zotto was bought out uh, last summer as well. And then two years earlier, it was Bobby Ryan. So it's not like Ottawa's a stranger to the buyout period. But this time, they might actually get a kickback on a deal they got rid of. It's going to be Matt Murray watch in Toronto. And if the Leafs do decide to buy out Matt Murray, the Senators will save $1.3 million against the cap next year that would be not offset, but they'd have to pay an extra 666000 the year after, but the Leafs would be paying $2 million that year after. So I think it would be beneficial for the Senators to get that Matt Murray buyout. We're not sure if it's going to happen, but the Leafs have until June 30th at 5 p.m. to decide on any buyouts. The window is open from 48 hours after the Stanley Cup final finishes, which is this morning, all the way until June 30th. So... Buyouts are here and you can go check out cap friendly. One of the best resources on the internet and they have a full calculator that you can go. So if you want to have some fun with that feel free, but Pillsy, today it's about RFAs yesterday with Shane Pinto, lots of great reaction we got from them uh, from all the citizens out there on Twitter at send central Instagram, locked on dot senators. We even posted it on our YouTube and all the comments were great. It seems like $3 million is the high that people want to go with Shane Pinto years as many as you can get with that price tag. But with Eric Branstrom, it's much more complicated because this is a player who just in the lineup isn't going to be a top four defenseman barring uh, injuries and you want to knock on wood there. But with that, you need to have good depth. But what does that depth cost with Eric Branstrom? He's coming off just a one-year contract at a $900,000 cap. Hit. One thing I think we can agree on, is he's due for a raise. But the question is, Bilzi, how much should he be getting?
1: Yeah, and this is honestly one of the most divisive discussions between Sens fans, which is hilarious. Our, our number five or number six, wherever you want to put them, defenseman. people are up in arms about how they feel about this guy. But it, it's it's a great discussion because you look at Eric Bransom and you're like, man, there's so much potential there. He's got good qualities, but... For a guy who is quoted and Brandy moves pucks. Yeah, sure. He moves pucks, but they don't end up in the back of the net very often for the guy. But you look at, I I guess his unadvanced analytics, goals, assists, things like that. and doesn't pop off on the page very much, but you take a look at his advanced analytics, the Corsi and uh, things like that. And he's one of the better defensemen on this team in that aspect. So, it's going to be interesting. This is, again, one of those arbitrations. I'm. We'll see if it goes to arbitration. But if it did, I'd be so interested to hear the back and forth because both sides would have good points here. I think where we need to start this discussion for Eric Branson, though, Ross, is the term because I, I think that uh, that starts the discussion. And I just want to remind uh, people it's it's important also when you're looking at comparing contracts around the leagues. UFA contracts are vastly different than RFA contracts. Sure, they may be slotted in the same spots, points, similar things like that, but the leverage, the Ottawa Senators have all the leverage right now with the RFAs and that's how this system is set up. When the players are young and RFAs, the leverage goes to the teams. So that team, smaller market teams, they don't just draft a player and then he gets outpriced right away. They want those teams to have the leverage, but you can't have that over the players the whole time. Then they become UFAs and now the players have the leverage. So, While the Sens have leverage here, they need to flex that and they need to get these uh, talented young players under good deals, even if it's shorter term.
0: And the qualifying offer for Eric Branstrom, it's a 15% increase. It would be $945,000. He's not a UFA for another four seasons. So any contract term of three, two, or one years, he'll be an RFA at the end of it. Pilsy already alluded to the fact that he does have arbitration rights. He also... Is increasing his leverage by going to the most powerful agency last yes. year. Eric Branstrom switched agents. He's now with Newport Sports, who has a good, a weird relationship with the Senators. Yeah. They had Chris Wideman, Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, but they also have Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk, two guys who signed long term with the Ottawa Senators. So I think that it's not good. It's not bad. It's whatever you make of it with Craig Oster, Brady Kachuk's uncle, doing <laughs> contract negotiation for Eric Brandstrom on this deal. He had 18 points in 74 games. I thought he got better as the year went on. Yep. and As he's had to do in the last number of seasons, he's had to step into Thomas Shabbat's role at the end of the year when he's gone down with injury. And Brandy had 10 points in the last 17 games of this season. Sorry, last 19 games of this season. Now, he's never going to be a guy who scores goals, even though the odd time he does, it decides to be highlight reel. Like that goal he scored
1: against Tampa near the end of the oh. season was nasty. But he was doing that play over and over, but it just nine times out of 10, it just ended up with the goalie making an easy save and freezing it for a face-off.
0: Nine times out of 10, Brian Elliott wasn't in net.
1: Yes, fair, fair.
0: <laughs> but what do you, like, what do you offer Eric Branstrom? Because to me, I start the conversation at like two years at 1.2. Like I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people comfortable going as high as $2 million per year. I think with the way that the Sens cap is structured and knowing he's going to be a third pair guy when everyone else is healthy. I look at we always talk about Jake Sanderson being up next year and needing that huge raise. Well, two years down the line, you're going to have to do the same with Jacob Chikrin. Mm -hmm. And I would almost in a perfect world kind of have those two expiring at the same time and then just kind of relooking at the decor after two years and saying, how are we going to move this around and figure it out? I'm starting two years. 1.25 Two one point two five would kind of be like my my initial offer. I'd go as high as one point three five, but I really don't think it brandstrom has that much leverage to go any higher than that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean and this is where it goes. Like if you're the Ottawa Centers, you gotta be pushing for that low dollar amount. So that's definitely fair. I think you Do you think that they're gonna push for a one or two year term? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think it's gonna be one or two years. And I think Brandy's gonna want one or two years. Like I think that's a guy that's going to want to bet on himself having a better year than that. So I'd like
0: to apologize to Dougie dog who just wrote in on Twitter at send central. He wants eight years at 750 K (laughs) for (laughs) Brandy.
1: Don't think that that one's going to happen on be a GM mode. You might be able to swindle that one, but uh, I don't know about in real life, but I think look, I, I'm admittedly higher on Branstrom than you. Uh, I think we've we've kind of hashed that out in the past. And that's kind of been the the narrative for for this show. So I, I think he's going to get a little bit more than that. Just because his agents can show, hey, look. A couple of years in a row, Shabbat went down. And who stepped up and played those minutes? Now, I, I can already hear the YouTube comments being like, yeah, but he got no points. He didn't do much, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I know. I know. But... The thing is, and this is goes back to my rant with um when we had meth on about Branny, is I don't think you can can just kind of pigeonhole him as a bottom pair defenseman. Again, I'll I'm hearing, I can already hear all the comments, all the yells at me. Yes, I know he is a third pair defenseman, but The big value with Eric Branson is the versatility. The fact that he can go up and play top four minutes for a short period of time. He can kill penalties. He can play on the power play. So I think the versatility and having to do that multiple seasons in a row, Branny and his agents are going to use that in their, in their favor. I think Ross, we're looking at more of a two year, I'll put it closer to 1.5, just because if you look, he's already got a decent amount of NHL games, uh, he's played like top four minutes consistently at the end of these seasons. So uh, I'm going to go two years, one point five for Branny. Okay, and, so and I mean that's still very affordable. Like we're we're talking about three hundred thousand dollars difference here.
0: Hundred percent when when you're looking at it like that, and and you look at all the teams around the league, like how are successful teams building their back end? And I know that Vegas has a, a different structure. Than I'd say most teams, but they're paying their their bottom pair a whole lot more. So if you're the senators, you're looking at that and saying, yeah, one point hell, if if the lease buyout Matt Murray, literally the savings you'd get from Matt Murray would pay for the Eric Branstrom contract, which would be ideal in this scenario. But anything under 1.6 million dollars and under four years in term, I'm gonna be okay with. I think I would be happy with anything under 1.3 again, keeping that term to RFA at the end of it, and then reevaluate in two years' time. But he, he is a valuable piece. I don't want anyone coming at me here saying that I'm a Brandy hater. I'm, I'm admittedly lower than Pilsy on him, but mm-hmm. I do think there's value to him, and he's the type of defenseman where if one of your puck movers goes down, he's shown that he can step up in that. So let us know in the comments, who do you, what do you think Eric Branstrom's next contract should look like from his perspective, from your perspective, from the teams? And I'm seeing a lot of people just saying trade him. Well, what's the value there? What kind of return do you think you're gonna get on Eric Branstrom and is it
1: worth it? No, I I don't I don't believe it is. I think the the league value of Branstrom is very low and that and that's fair. He hasn't put up a lot to raise his value here. And I just think he's so much more valuable to the Ottawa Senators as a versatile guy that can go up, down, and he can play left and right side. Like there's I just think the value there is so useful that it would be silly to trade them for pennies on the dollar
0: so let us know in the comments coming up next we're going to get to our nhl draft profiles we've got three canadian kids from the bchl whl as well as a senator's prospect signing his entry level contract that's all coming up next you're listening to locked on senators
1: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. You guys know I love the Bird Dogs. Their shorts are my new shorts. They're the shorts of the summer. If you're not wearing Bird Dog shorts let me tell you, you're going to want to make the switch because bird dog shorts, they make you look good. First of all, the stretch khaki shorts, they fit slimmer through the thigh and give you that sculpted leg look. Ross has been on the Peloton hard, so he's looking for that sculpted leg look, I'm sure, coming up for this summer. A hot summer in Winnipeg. That's the play for you, Ross. And they have polos now. They basically are like Lululemon shorts and style stuff, but fit way better. And the fit is better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. Get that out of here. They fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement there. And summer, it gets hot. You're working out, you're going on hikes, you're golfing, whatever. They have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL and you're going to get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. I use mine every day. I already had my coffee this morning using that uh, tumbler. So that's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for your Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you.
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by Owl and Co. Woohoo!
1: Better? Better? I will. That's, that's better. Yeah, the, as long as you get the C out of there. It's not a cuckoo, it's a hoo hoo. So ooh. if we have an owl expert, uh, let us know. Well, we have Owl & Co. as the expert groomers
0: on this show because your grooming routine doesn't have to suck every morning. You want to make sure your is slicked back. You want to make sure your beard's feeling good, your hair full of nourishment. Well, the Owl & Co. starting lineup is all for you. Hair tonics, sea salt sprays, and utility bombs, versatility at its finest. Say hello to Owl and co or say to owl and co so all their products are made with natural ingredients like coconut oil sweet almond oil shea butter it ensures that your skin is getting all the nourishment that it needs they're made by hand in small batches so you know they're going to be set to the highest standard they're all local ingredients all local as chris sinclair is a Sense Central citizen. So support local, support Senators fans. Go outside your comfort zone. Start with these products every single morning, and you'll see that a grooming routine doesn't have to suck. And in no time, it can become the part of the day that you look forward to. Owl and Co. is all about helping you find that grooming routine. So go check them out, owl co grooming.com. They're also on Instagram, Owl and Co Grooming on Twitter as well. Locked on Sense fans. We have a discount for you. Senators 15 at checkout gets you 15% off your next order we know you're gonna love it we can't wait for you to try it it's owl and grooming.com you know all right Philzy. locked on senators is your home for all things 2023 nhl draft so far We've had 29 player profiles, plus four bonus ones on the weekend. And we still have a week and a half until the National Hockey League draft in Nashville. And stay tuned for more information. But the plan is a locked-on Senators live stream for an hour and a half up to the draft. And then a reaction podcast in your feeds by the time you wake up Thursday. And then day two of the NHL draft truly is some of the best days on the NHL calendar, and we will be here with you each step of the way. Coming in at number 30 on our 2023 Locked On Senators NHL draft rankings from the WHL's Prince George Cougars, it's Riley Height.
1: I'm a big fan of Riley Height uh, right off the top, Ross. I'll I'll get that out of the way because this is a player that is very exciting to watch. He puts up big points, but... He's got a little scrappiness to him. He's a bit of a pest out there. So you love seeing guys that can put up the points and uh, back it up with the chirps and the physical play as well. And that's, I mean, if we're talking about putting up points, uh, Ross, I'll let you read off Riley Height's stats because that's what he does very well. Ironically,
0: Riley Height is under six feet tall. He's listed as five ten. <laughs> He's 178 pounds. I mentioned he plays for Prince George. He's listed as a centerman, but some think maybe... He's a winger at the next level. Left shot, he played 68 games with Prince George this year, had 25 goals, 72 assists, good for 97 points, and had 36 penalty minutes as well. In the world under 18s, he had just two assists in the five games, playing predominantly in a role that would be considered a bottom six, kind of grinded out, penalty killing specialist type role. But he's known in the past, as having that high end upside, he was the second overall pick into the WHL in their Bantam draft. So the points come plenty for Riley Height. If you're looking at the WHL stats, of course, Connor Bedard dominating the leaderboard there this year. But during the regular season, it was none other than Riley Height, fifth in scoring in the WHL behind guys whose names you would know like Logan, Stan Coven, Zach Benson and Connor Bedard.
1: Yeah, and Ross, where he did most of his damage was on the power play. Well, I shouldn't say most, but more than uh, your typical point producers as 45% of his points were on the power play. That is a very high number when you're looking at 97 points, not a math guy, but that's right around 45 points on the power play. So, 45%,
0: 45%, not a math guy.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, 97 points, round oh, yeah. that up to 100. You're looking at around 40, 45. Uh, I think, I think that checks out. Um, but the thing is, like, Height has such a nice toe drag wrister and he's confident using that from mid range. He, he, like, there's so many good attributes from him because it's not all about the shot. He's a great playmaker too. So on the power play, like, those penalty killers, they have no idea whether he's going to shoot or pass. And when you've got that extra guy there, he can really create space for his teammates.
0: But he does have an elite shot,
1: right? Big like, time. He, oh if, yeah. If you
0: bring up one attribute when you're looking at describing him to others. It's the shot, which I think is 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 phenomenal and a reason why he's able to put so much on the power play. Defensively, though, Pilsly not the best defensive. Minded it for
1: when you get 97 points and 45 percent of your points are on the power play it's probably pretty likely you're not hustling on defense too much uh that's just how that goes but you know what I- i'm not going to use that as a knock on him because i've said it before uh when you have these full offensive guys i don't like when coaches drag down their offense just to boost their defense a little bit now obviously you want to get better defensively that's that goes without saying, but I don't want it to come at a price where he's not able to be creative and produce offensively. Like you got to take the good with the bad uh, with some of these players like this. And there's a lot of good to like about uh, Riley height here. And he had a 39 point increase from last season. So he's really jumped up there. And this is a high profile guy, Ross, because he went second overall in the 2020 WHL draft. Uh, Connor Bernard, Went first overall in that draft. And then Braden Jager, who we've already uh, covered, he went third overall.
0: Yeah, I think height is going to be higher than we have him here at 30 in the draft. Corey Prodman again, just skewing our rankings with a, a, a low ball here. Corey Prodman has him at 59 on his list. Everyone else is at the end of the first round. Well, yeah. Craig Button has him at 37. We've got um, Chris Peters at 30, Elite Prospects at 27, and Scott Wheeler at 23. So Elite Prospects, they do their shades of. I thought it was hilarious that they have Nick Schmaltz, but they made sure that it was an angry Nick
1: <laughs> I mean, Sens fans know Nick Schmaltz well. This guy is his Sens killer. Killer. It's it's crazy. So, yeah, that that's an interesting comparison for sure. Uh, Ross, I, I want to ask you this, or do, do you have a point to go on?
0: No, not at all. I was just going to say that he wore the A in
1: Prince George, so you're looking at a guy who has some leadership abilities as well. Yep, absolutely. Uh do you take a look at that forty five percent point from the power play in junior? And do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing?
0: It's whatever you want it to be.
1: But probably okay.
0: it's probably not my favorite thing. Yeah. It's probably not my favorite thing. But if you see because he has ninety seven points, right, you take off forty five as you so eloquently approximately. Told. You're still looking at a guy where if he had a regular number of power play points then he's still a uh, he's still producing still a like, point per game yeah Right exactly like his his even strength numbers I want I want to say would be around
1: above average Oh I thought you were going to do the math here I was like oh. no, no chance <laughs> Yeah okay cuz that's that's an interesting sticking point where some scouts are like And by the way it's a lot of assists on the power play yeah, definitely. And that's where his playmaking comes through. And his lethal yeah. shot, he can draw defenders and then just pass it off.
0: He only had four power play
1: goals this year. What? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. 39 power play assists. Oh, my God. I did not think it would be that tilted. Well, Chase
0: Wheatcroft, who, who also plays on Prince <laughs> Such North. a WHL name. Chase Wheatcroft. For, <laughs> had 47 goals, but 22 of them were on the power play. So Riley Height was just teeing up the Wheatcrofter.
1: Yeah, the wheat crofter um yeah because that's an interesting discussion between scouts some of them are like oh what we're supposed to we're supposed to knock him because he's dominating on the man advantage like that's silly but then other scouts are like hey this is inflated and this is a bit of a red flag here so it's interesting to see how scouts will take a look at that.
0: No, I, I love the difference in opinions on him. One Western Conference scout told Elite Prospects, I just don't know what he does or what he gets accomplished. He gets points at home on a team where someone's going to get points. I don't really get that that <laughs> last point. Like Somebody doesn't have to get points. A lot of teams don't have okay. a lot of... 97 point guys so um another western conference scout says great with the puck great on the power play need to see more in other parts of his game that i think is very fair and that's what's holding him back from being in my opinion a top 20 pick because the skill is evident and he plays with a chip yep nhl gms will love that but i do want to see a little bit more at five on five before i'm willing if it's my team to to put a first round tag on his name
1: and and that's fair uh maybe this is biased by me but i I like this kid a lot i got riley height at four and a half stars uh for me i I would bet on this kid ross like great shot smart playmaker good skater and a scrappy attitude i honestly i see him going in the 20s i see him getting picked somewhere in the 20s
0: yeah anything anything uh after 20 i would say i wouldn't be surprised but if it's me making the pick i'd probably have him 28, 29, towards the end of the first round. We'll have our list at the end here. But Riley Height, do you have any teams that you think would be a good fit for him?
1: Um, I got to pull up the NHL draft order here. A lot Wednesday. of teams with multiple okay, I got teams it. Are, are at the end of this first round. Yeah. Oh, wow. Anna, or no, sorry. That's the wrong wrong spot. Hmm. I could see Colorado liking this kid. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go Colorado for now at 27.
0: All right. Well, hey, make sure you write in the comments below how wrong Pelsy is or <laughs> give some stick taps if he's got it right. We're putting all 70 of our profiles up on YouTube, so go check them out. Locked on Senators. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast as well. All right, coming up next, two more draft profiles to get to, and Pistol Pete signs his entry-level contract. That's coming up next. You're listening to Locked on Senators.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Guys, if you're getting a ticket for any event, I'm talking sports, music, comedy, theater, there's one place you got to go if you want no stress and you want to just get hyped about your event. It's Game Time. Download the app and you'll find that buying tickets to your favorite events doesn't have to be stressful. You don't have to deal with some of these other ticket apps where you just want to pull your hair out because the login uh, stuff is crazy. They're charging you through the roof. No, don't worry about that. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, stop stressing and get hyped for the fun. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time actually has deals on tickets right up to the day of events you can get exclusive flash deals for any ticket you want. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. In fact, if you happen to find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will even credit you 110% of the difference. So, you get images of your seat before you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, boom, boom, and you got your tickets right on your phone. So, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code locked on NHL. We're going to get you 20 bucks off your first purchase. You'll got to love that. Terms apply again. Create an account, redeem code locked on NHL for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed.
0: All right, Pilsy, back here locked on senators, home of all the NHL draft coverage you need to get prepared for the big day in Nashville, Tennessee, coming up on June 28th and 29th. And we're going to have everything. Wall-to-wall coverage here on Locked On Senators, one of our favorite times of the year, despite the Senators not having a draft pick right now.
1: Uh, I was going to say, right now, yeah.
0: They're going to pick in the top three rounds. I'm even going to go so far, now that we know that it's 99% that Alex Dabrinkit is traded by the draft.
1: 99% you're bumped up to, okay.
0: You don't cut, like... The club elected arbitration. I, I don't. I don't buy that as a good sign. Yeah,
1: league, but. you got got to check out our friend on Twitter at @gatno_greg. Uh, he did a good video replying to uh, the tweet that they will be going to club elected arbitration. So good. Uh.
0: Coming the 2023 Locked On Senators NHL draft rankings. This guy is a point producer through and through at every level. He was the leading scorer in the BCHL this year with the
1: Penticton Vs. It's Bradley Nadeau. Bradley Nadeau of the BCHL. It's Ross, the BCHL is really on the rise lately. They've had some huge high draft picks come out of there. But it's very interesting for me because I have a really hard time judging BCHL prospects on a competition scale appropriately. Because, I mean, you look at uh, Bradley Nando's uh, scoring here and he made a joke of this league. Like, let's just be honest. In 54 games, 45 goals, 68 assists, 113 points in 54 games, and he kept the party going in the playoffs with 35 points in 17 playoff games. Yeah, if you're wondering, he did win playoffs MVP with those numbers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, real surprise there. That's a shocker. He's over there. He's a New Brunswick
1: kid playing in the BCHL. Which is so strange to me because, I like, what a move to make. Like, now, if he was going to the WHL or something like that, I, I guess that makes sense. But he would probably have to go to the Q if he's a New Brunswick guy. So I'd like to find out more about him and his brother going from uh, East Coast to West Coast.
0: Yeah, well, right, his older brother is the reason why he followed him there. And he's 19 years old, was passed over in the draft. Two-time BCHL champion, though, with the Penticton Vs. and. He also had quite a season with 110 points as well. So probably pretty cool for them to play together, right? And okay. guess what? Same line even. Guess what? But. That's going to continue. They're both going to the University of Maine next season nice. as well. So uh, a family affair, and they'll be a lot closer to home there. Maine is about directly south from New Brunswick. Bradley Nadeau is a center. I think he'll be a winger at the next level, though. Five 5'10", 161 pounds. We already went through the point total, so let's go through the rankings. Oh, wait, he's 5'10", with a ton of skill. Of course, Scott Wheeler has him high on his list. Has him at 22 listed, whereas everyone else is a second-round talent for him. Elite Prospects at 35, Chris Peters at 39, Corey Prodman at 36, and Craig Button, the lowest, at 46 on his list. This guy is a project. I think he'll be in the NHL in about five years, maybe even six but the patience could pay off because he dazzles offensively. He, he even and even though he's listed at five ten, like from the highlights I watched, like I don't know if it's because the BCHL, but you wouldn't think that different leagues different heights per se. But he he looks big out there to me. So I didn't think that the size was much of an issue at, at the
1: level he was at. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's tough to judge with the BCHL. Uh, I feel like most of the the bigger players that are at that age level go to the dump. So it's it's tough I'd, I'd love to hear more from uh different scouts how they how they judge that uh we'll definitely get into that in our mock draft discussions I'm sure but for Nado Ross like this kid has a heavy shot like he loads up top shelf wristers he's got a booming one timer EP awarded him with the fourth best shot in this draft so, Regardless of what league he's playing in, the shot is there and that shot is going to be effective. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Ross, if we see him put up, um, you know, Cy Young type numbers, uh, goals versus assists when he gets to the University of Maine. Like, I can see him putting up double digit goals uh, first year, right, uh, heading into college. The only players that Elite
0: Prospect says have a better shot than Nadeau in this. Wait,
1: can I try to get them? Yeah. Okay. Connor Bernard. Number one. Colby Barlow. Number five, so below Nadeau. Wow, that's surprising for me. Uh, Braden Jaeger. Nope. Ooh. Okay, I'm stumped. I thought for sure those those would be the three ahead of him.
0: Are you sure you don't want to take another guess at number two and three?
1: Is Fantilli up there? Fantilli's number two. Okay, so and then judging by your tone, I'm going to say Leo Carlson was also there. No.
0: Matt Meechkov.
1: Ah, yeah, I should have got Mitch
0: for them. And guess who they have shades of for Bradley Nadeau at Elite Prospects Draft Guide? I think it's Mike Hoffman, right? It's Mike Hoffman,
1: yeah, that's that's interesting.
0: Ridiculous one timer on him, decent playmaking, but at the level he's at, it's ridiculously talented. Obviously, look at the point totals, but I want to see next season. It's a real shame that you can't see him play a year at Maine before drafting him, right? Because it is tough to judge with these guys. Because sometimes, like Kyle Turris, for example, it's way back when, but he was a top five pick out of the BCHL. So it's like, okay, you know the skill is evident. It's going to translate. Whereas when you're looking at a second, third round pick, look at Johnny Tyconic, perfect example. The Ottawa Senators took Johnny Tyconic in the middle of the second round out of Penticton, and then he went to college, and it just didn't translate at all at North Dakota. He ends up playing five years of college, has to transfer out of North Dakota. Now he's an ECHL All-Star or superstar in the playoffs, you could say. But that's the thing. You're taking such a gamble when you're seeing these guys do whatever they want on the ice. Like they they make it look easy at that level. But frankly, it's never gonna be that easy for them again once they step foot in college hockey.
1: Now, Ross, I'll reference, and maybe this isn't the best example, but uh, a guy that always comes to mind for me when you're talking about first-round talent drafted of the BCHL is Alex Newhook. And uh, funny enough, uh, Newhook, that's an East Coast guy that went to play in the BCHL as well. So that's interesting. So Newhook was drafted 16th overall by the Avalanche in 2019. He dominated in the BCHL uh, with the Victoria Grizzlies, 102 points. And then he went to Boston College, And he was able to put up 42 points in 34 games. So the transition wasn't too difficult for him. Now, probably Boston College, he's got a little bit more support and better teammates than um, Bradley Nadeau will have at Maine. I'm sure that's probably a fair statement. But you can still take a look. At least there's one player that was able to make that transition uh, not too hard.
0: To me, this screams early second-round pick by a team that has multiple firsts. Okay, you're like you're insulating him in your prospect pool, where you're almost just like putting him in the freezer, and it's like, yeah, he'll eat one day, but right now we're just gonna let him like like chill out, do your thing, develop as you will, and it'll be all good. Like I look at San Jose as as a perfect spot for him. They've got the the fourth overall pick. They've got a pick late in the first round, where I think you take another swing, and then this is like the big swing where it's like. It's all good. He's the third guy we're paying. It's almost like the Senators taking Roby Arventi. They knew that they had a bunch of firsts. They knew they wouldn't have to rush him. And now it's slow and steady, but the potential is still there. The potential for Bradley Nadeau is still going to be there in three years. I'm sure of it. He's Mm -hmm. too talented that he won't have pro potential, but a team's going to have to, they're going to have to buckle up if if they're expecting him to, uh, to jump into the NHL in a couple of years. This guy, he's a project, but he's one that, the reward could be a 25-30 goal scorer at the National Hockey League level who you can have on a first power play unit. Like, that's the upside for a kid like this.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, I I got similar notes to you. My one note is uh, I'm going to reserve my full Pillsy stamp of judgment till I see him at University of Maine. Obviously, NHL <laughs> teams don't have that luxury. I was going to say, imagine a scout could do that yeah yeah um and then my my next comment uh, on my final notes are he's going to be the first player selected in the second round doesn't he make sense for the anaheim ducks yes like that's a really good or wait are they the yeah yeah they are the first so i really see him going to the anaheim ducks
0: that would be cool so i'm gonna call san jose as mine like like i like it oh no the winnipeg ice are sold they're moving to washington that's neither here nor there there. but uh Bradley Nadeau so I won't get to see Zach Benson anymore that sucks uh Bradley Nadeau uh is I think a guy who you're you're going to be excited to see highlights of every every weekend when he plays at University of Maine next year but for the reasons of the length of time until we see him as an NHLer and the risk that maybe the 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 game won't be as easy At the next level, I think that's why we have him here at number 31 on our Locked On Senators draft rankings. For more prospect profiles, make sure you head on over to Locked On Senators on YouTube and download the podcast wherever you get yours. All right, coming in at number 32 on our Locked On Senators NHL draft rankings, it's
1: defenseman from the Saskatoon Blades. It's Tanner Molendyke. Tanner Molendijk Ross, uh, we, we had some discussions on him. And ultimately, the best way to wrap up what this guy is, this guy's a skater. I mean, he is a great, great skater. Now, how does that translate to, to points and to the rest of his game? We'll get into that. But right off the bat, EP loves his skating, which we've said multiple times. They are very critical of guys skating. So for them to love a guy like this, That's saying a lot. They gave him the first award for four-way mobility skater in this entire draft class and second award for best straight line skater. So right off the bat, you can tell that what this guy does and his top attribute is one of the most important attributes in the game of hockey today. And that's being uh, fleet of foot. 67
0: games, nine goals, 28 assists. Good for 37 points, 37 penalty minutes and pure skating as Pilsy said. But what else? What else is there about Tanner Molendyk's game? And that's why, like, when I when I read up and saw the awards that Elite Prospects gave him, I was like, oh, I bet you they have him as a lottery pick. I bet you that they're so high on him that they won't even be able to to, to help themselves. He might even be 10th overall. No. Elite Prospects has him at 39th, which for a skating defenseman as elite as Tanner Molendyk, that was surprising to me and made me read into it a lot more because... The others are all much higher on him outside of Craig Button, who has him at 48. Corey Pronman has him at 25. Chris Peters at 27. And Scott Wheeler at 42 as well. So six foot tall, 182 pounds, left shot defenseman. And an NHL scout wrote to EP. They said his feet are great, but his brain and his hands need to catch up for it to get to the next level. A lot of times I got to see him once in the playoffs, didn't stand out much. The ice dominated that game yeah. in Winnipeg. Mollendike was dash three in that game. But a lot of the reports, uh, David St. Louis, Mitch Brown, all these guys from Elite Prospects noted that, like, he tries to use deception when he when he breaks the puck out of the zone, but he's moving so fast that his deception, he'll then, like, cut into three guys. And he'll just, yeah. like, it's just, it's it's flashy, but it's not
1: efficient. And and that's the thing, like, I, I'm not going to knock a guy for being such a good skater, but there's not a whole lot else to his game that I'm really interested in, to be honest. Uh, like, I, I found from some highlights I saw that I didn't love his decision making uh, when he's deciding where he's going to be positioned. Like, uh, I was seeing at times he's leaving guys wide open in front of the net to go uh, attack a guy in the corner. He's not having the best gap control. And then he's got to use his skating to make up for that, which he can. He's such a good skater. He can mop up mistakes by just uh, out skating and uh, using his edges to get in the right spots. And th- that's obviously a very big thing, but I don't know, like not, I, I didn't notice much of a great shot. Uh, I think his playmaking mostly stems from his uh, transition game, carrying the puck up the ice. I, I could be wrong there, but that's an assumption I'm making. And I just, I, I didn't see him putting a lot of effort into defensive battles along the boards. Like I don't see much of a B game past the great skating. Now, great skating can make up for a lot of things like that, as I've mentioned in past profiles. But I don't know. I I I'm curious to see how he's going to develop moving forward.
0: Yeah, because it was a good year-over-year improvement for him. He, he was almost twenty points higher, nineteen exact uh, points higher. He played twelve more games, albeit with Saskatoon this year. He's he's going to be their number one guy next year. They should have a decent team as well. Like they they need a big year out of him. And again, he's a guy where I would be timid because of the other the issues in the game uh, outside of the skating. The issues that uh, keep coming up. And it's not a lack of effort. Like he, he's a good shutdown defenseman. Like he works. His work rate is high on the defensive side, and he's able to kill plays because of his great skating. But he needs to get into the right system. Like imagine Detroit or someone was able to get their hands on him and like work with Nick Lidstrom or work with like these, these elite guys who he needs a great coach is basically what I'm saying. So, I mean, if he came to Ottawa, like in a perfect world, he becomes like a Wade Redden type defenseman, right? Like just a smooth skating, like the first pass needs to be crispy coming out of the zone. Like that's, if I was to draft him, my first thing would be get him into a one-on-one skill development thing with a with a, uh, my my skills coach basically and just say, hey, we're going to spend an hour a day all month just breaking the puck out of the zone because he has the ability with his natural God-given gift of skating to be able to be one of the best puck-moving defensemen in this draft, mm. but he seems to almost shoot himself in the foot every time he comes out of the zone and he puts himself
1: into more difficult situations than he needs to. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, the first thing I thought of, Ross, is think of a guy like Jared Spurgeon. That's a guy that everyone applauds how great of a skater it is. is. And I I don't think I would necessarily call Jared Spurgeon an offensive defenseman or a shutdown guy. He's just a good skater that has a well-rounded game. So my immediate thought was, hey, if he can land in Minnesota and you have Jared Spurgeon as a mentor, that makes a lot of sense. But they're drafting 21st and 53rd. I don't think that's a range that's going to really make sense for uh, Moulindike here, so that's probably not going to happen. But that's the kind of idea I have. Like, try to get him with uh, a team that has a veteran, great skating defenseman that can kind of point him, be like, "Hey, man, like you got this great skating skill, but let's use it so that you can be a better, a better playmaker, a guy that can break the puck up better, a guy that can be better defensively, all these sorts of things." So, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I've got about three and a half stars here, Ross. Uh, I think the fact that he is, like, being a good skater is one thing, being a great skater is one thing, but he's one of the best skaters in this class. That's an attribute that you can bet on and you can bank on and you can try to round out the rest of his game.
0: You know what the problem is? And I hate to bring him up twice in one show, but doesn't this kind of remind you of how we described Johnny Tyconic when he was drafted by the Sens?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but Tyconic had those offensive abilities, right? Uh, where so he's he was even further ahead. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, fair fair point there. I don't think Johnny Tyconic was as good a skater as Mollenhauk uh, projects to be, but yeah, that's a fair point, and that's the thing. Johnny Tyconic never really rounded out the rest of his game, and now now you can see where where he's at. He, he's still a nice player, but can he make that jump? He's I'm not so player. convinced. Yeah, he's an player,
0: but yeah, I think next year is huge for Tanner Mollenhauk. I think that he's gonna be like, like I said, he's gonna be the guy. In Saskatoon, and, and it's going to be what he makes of it to make sure that he can put himself in a position going forward that uh, kind of cements himself as a legit top-end prospect because to me right now, he's a second-round pick. Like, Agreed. To me, he's a four-star guy from pick 50 on. But I think somebody's going to fall in love with the skating and be able to reach up there from that. So I'm not as high on Tanner Molendijk, but he certainly has that wow factor when you see him out there and he's he's shaking around. He's trying to use deception. like He's trying all the right things. It's just going to take a little bit more to get him in the right spot in an organization where he's going to excel and be a 5-6 defenseman who has power play upside and who's going to be a guy who doesn't hurt you at 5-on-5 five five either. So lots of questions i would say surround tanner molendyke but also a lot of upside when it comes to the skating so that's tanner molendyke coming in at number 32 rounding out the first round of our draft rankings but we've got a top 50 coming 70 profiles in total including bonus on the weekend so go check those out on youtube at locked on senators all right pilsey wrapping up another great week dare i say pilsey a historic week in ottawa senators history
1: you might say that, Ross. I think that is very fair to say.
0: We have a live stream that we put on available on your audio podcast. So if you missed any of that, it's a two-hour one. So if you didn't have time during the week, get rewind the clock and get back to the moment yeah. that the Ottawa Senators were sold to Michael Anlauer. But Pilsy, the first move, and I know he doesn't have the keys, but <laughs> the first move outside of the Eugene Melnick era is our guy, Pistol Pete, pow, pow, pew, pew. Oscar Peterson has signed his entry-level contract. We already knew he was coming to development camp. We told everyone that last week. He'll be in Sense colors there, and he's going back to Rogla to play in the SHL last year. But, man, what a player. Like, we covered him before he was signed. He was in our top 10 prospects. I believe, though, he was an honorable mention we had right now. Pilsy, the biggest note I have on this is Pierre Dorian, in his little press clipping, called him one of the best prospects in the system.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at uh, projecting him in the future, maybe not where he's at right now, but projecting him in the future, he has a lot of skill and he's already on a great path. You look at his J20 numbers, 23 goals in 24 games. Like, that's incredible. And he had 29 games of SHL uh, experience. We talked about it. He was one of those kids that forced the SHL team to pay him more because they had him go over the ice time limit. And I think he's going to get a real good crack at uh, playing some serious SHL minutes with Rogel this season, Ross.
0: And again, for more, we'll point you towards our top prospects episode. The first of the two episodes where we had six through 10 and honorable mentions, but I just want to repeat what he told us. You can also go learn more about him. We had him on twice and, and we will have him on hopefully for a live interview at Sens dev camp. But, we, we said, hey, who do you model your game after? And I loved his answer. Patrick Hornquist, right? A guy who was a consistent 40, 50-point player and who just annoyed the heck out of absolutely every opponent that he ever played on. And we hadn't really seen much of it. All the clips we had seen from J20 was him just scoring and scoring and scoring. But then at the World Juniors, he was playing that third-line role, yep. in-your-face hockey, physical. I, I love his game. I think he's going to fit in as a perfect senator going forward. I think one more year in Rogla, then Belleville for one or two years, and then he'll make the jump to Ottawa. But congratulations to Oscar Pedersen signing that three-year contract extension. Pilsy, any final thoughts on today's show?
1: Final thoughts is, uh, you mentioned it quickly, but yeah, the Winnipeg Ice moving to Washington – that's a damn shame. That's it is a damn
0: shame. Well, a part of the condition of the sale to bring them to Winnipeg was to get a new arena. They're playing in literally the university. It's like it's <laughs> like them playing at Carlton University Ice House.
1: It's honestly a joke. Like whenever I watch any WHL highlights, you know when they're playing in Winnipeg right off the bat because yeah, they, they can't be playing there. That that's just a matter of fact. And it's
0: ironically, their last games as Winnipeg Ice were at the uh, the, the Jets arena. Cause it was the WHL final. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they yeah. Sold out the Lower bowl. Like there is a fan base. It's a hockey town. There's no question about that, but it is a lot too. Cause like the AHL team is here too. Like there's an NHL team an AHL team and a WHL team. It's just, a, it's a lot. I get it, but yep. it's unfortunate. Cause they li- they sold out the lower bowl of, of the, uh, I keep going to call it the belt, empty ice plot X, but anyways, uh, Canada Life Center, there you go, where the Jets play. So, real damn
1: shame. Well, and Ross, it just sucks it's going to the States. Like, that's another WHL team loss. Like, I, I saw the uh, Kootenai Ice, so the yes. previous, in Cranbrook, BC. That was a, That's a nice barn, and uh, things didn't work out there. And then they went to Winnipeg, and then now they're going back to the States in Washington. Do you, do you know where in Washington?
0: Uh, I can't pronounce it.
1: <laughs> okay. It starts with a W. Okay.
0: Yeah so what huh.
1: i don't know i have no clue where that I'm
0: is pronouncing it but yeah that that's super unfortunate i don't know what the sale is but kind of kind of funny in a sense that the winnipeg ice got a team for uh four years okay they finished second in the east second yeah. in the east. first in the east first in the east
1: competitive team and and Ross if you're the Brandon Wheat Kings that sucks for you because you finally had a team that is close by and yeah the the, travel was the travel in the dub is absolutely insane and Winnipeg is by far the furthest east yeah well I mean Brandon (laughs) yeah even that's two hours west
0: yeah jeez, oh man that sucks for me darn no more boots on the ground at least at least they left me with two senators prospects at the time uh, was Zach Estabchuk. So the last game I'll ever have seen here was Zach Estabchuk score on a penalty shot in the WHL semifinals. So I'll have to, you know,
1: wipe my tears up with that. But uh, uh, so R.I.P. to the ice, I, and I, I hope they change the name. Like, yeah, they it's kind of, kind of a lame name. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. I, my final thoughts is enjoy the weekend. You had your anniversary Wednesday. I got mine today. We're going to have a great day. Put the phone down for a little bit. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, you know what? Hey, I, my goal was that my thought was that the sends were going to sell while we're, while we're like on the way to the spa. And it's like, oh, turn, turn your phone off now. God damn it. No, all good. All good. So have a great weekend, everyone. And a reminder that two draft profiles will be posted tomorrow. We can give away the names, right? Right? Yeah, people are still
1: hanging around uh, past 50 minutes. They deserve the names, yeah.
0: All right. Nick Lardis, who happens to play yeah. for the Hamilton Bulldogs, owned mm-hmm. by Michael Anlauer, and Jaden Perrault, Winnipegger, who is going to, yes, the University of North Dakota. The last note accent we're going to do. We did one last weekend, Andrew Strathman, and now Jaden Perrault. Pretty solid players. I'm a big fan of both. That's uh, yep. the tease for you there. But for today, we say goodbye. Again, let us know in the comments what is the fair deal for Eric Brandstrom, for Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day.